an insider's look at the National Football League. It's NFL Lunch, presented by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, with Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, Woman Crush Wednesday. You want to get in, can at 410-583-1057, WGK Law Phone Lines. It's also a send your song request for Woman Crush Wednesday. Plaza Port Tax Line, Nolan McGraw, waiting for you. John Harbaugh, a couple of days ago, met with the media. And this is a seems to be a concern for us because we've talked about it for two days. The uh, tackle position yeah. for the Ravens. And here's John Harbaugh talking about Stanley and Moses. Uh, this is December, you know, and there's, uh-huh. uh, there's guys like that who are fighting through things. And you got uh, – he played really well. I mean, I thought Morgan played well. I thought Ronnie played well. And we're going against two really good – I mean, obviously, those are some power rushers. Those guys are probably the best in the league at power rushing off the edge. And I thought uh, they had their moments, but our tackles had their moments too. And Lamar had his moments too. Daniel played well. You know, that was the thing. Daniel really took it to another level, I I thought. And uh, since he was doing well, uh, you know, he got more reps, and uh, it was good for us. Yeah, Falele is a key guy there because the the thing is, is Falele can handle the power bull rush. Because he's 380 pounds and he can put his foot in the ground. As long as he doesn't bend at the waist, he's fine. And I, he did a fine job. And if Moses, you know, is, can't punch or shoulder hurts or whatever, better off with Falele with that type of guy. Now, McCary should get more reps too because Ronnie stunk. And to that point, you did the film study a couple hours ago here, and, you know, your assessment was. Maybe the opposite of what John Harbaugh was saying about well, his starting tackles. There. Yeah, well, John, he's not going to say my tackle sucked, you know, because <laughs> uh, he never says anything bad publicly um, about his guys, which I respect that. But they didn't play well, and Ronnie hadn't played well. I mean, we've been talking about Ronnie every game. Um, so that's an issue. That's a problem. And Lamar had his moments. Lamar had his moments because of Ronnie Stanley. That's why Lamar had his moments. Could, would he have liked to sat there and throw on rhythm and do all those things? He could have if it wasn't for Ronnie Stanley. Now, the Ravens did run the ball well in yeah. the second half against the Jags on Sunday past, and here's John Harbaugh explaining the success and why that became a reality. Well, I mean, it's kind of the nature of the running game, right? You know, you, you, know, you have the chance to, I guess you could say, wear a defense down, but it's harder to stop the run a lot of times as the game goes on. You start to pick up first downs. You keep a defense on the field. That was a defense that was known for getting people off the field quickly. They were, I think, leading the league in three and outs as a defense. One of our goals was to, to not have that happen, you know, to, get, to keep them on the field as much as we could. And I think when the time of possession started to add up, it made it more difficult to stop the run. And I thought our guys really just got better and better blocking the run and running the ball. And, and we popped some runs. Obviously, Keaton had some big runs for us. And that's, a, that's obviously a very, uh, very heartbreaking loss for us. Uh, but he was a big part of that as well. I, I think the guys, there was Lamar and Keaton were the big parts of that run game. Sure. You know, and then Justice Hill a little bit towards the end. But I think the thing that helped most was the two tackles can run block a lot better. They can pass block. So that was a big advantage for the Ravens. why they ran it 30 times and and threw it eight. So that was a big plus. And then they they did. I mean, because the Ravens' old line is, they're big. And then you throw a car in there to another 300-pounder. So they kind of they wear on you, and Lamar wears you out in in the first half. I mean, all the scrambling and all the stuff. I mean, they were probably sucking wind at, at the half. So by the time they get in the third and fourth quarter, the, those those big guys, those three hundred pound defensive linemen and stuff, they're tired. 
Ravens' number one rush offense in the NFL. We'll do a stat breakdown later in the week, of course, here on the program. But John Harbaugh was asked earlier this week why it's important for the Ravens to remain that good doing that, even though they did change coordinators. We didn't want to run away from that, you know, because we, we had a lot of reps under our belt and a lot of institutional knowledge with that, and our players understood it. A lot of the plays that we've been running, and, and they fit our guys really well. So uh, that's one thing that was, was an important part of it. You know, you know what's interesting, Bob. I mean, I'm not. I'm just one stat that I, I find rather interesting is, you know, when you look at the Ravens, you know, um, rushing, they're number one in rushing, 164 yards a game, which is which is really good. I mean, last week they were number one at 157, but in rush attempts, they're number one in the league, 458 rush attempts, and um, the Niners. The Niners have are third in rushing with 140 yards a game, and they're number six in in rush attempts. And the thing that's even to me this this is shocking to me. Pass attempts. All right, the Ravens are ranked 20th in pass. The Niners are ranked second in pass, 262 yards. But pass attempts, the Ravens are 31st in pass attempts with 409. You know who's last? The Niners. With 391, and they're number two in passing. You talk about efficiency. Oh, yeah. So we're looking at two teams that want to run the football and then throw it efficiently. Now, when we were looking ahead, crystal ball style, Vinny, back in August or whatever it was, you thought it was going to be more of a 60 40 pass versus run. What is kind of. I don't know if it changed it. We're deep into the season now, but because we figured with the weapons and everything yeah. that was brought that were brought in, that would be more pass friendly. But I guess stick with what you know. I, I think stick with what you do well. Yeah, especially when you're. You, I mean, to have an efficient pass game or to have a good pass game, you got to get blocking. The inside guys have been fine. The tackles just haven't held up very well. And then, you know what, Bob? Do what your guys do well. They're running the ball well. So, keep running the ball well. You got big offensive linemen and your tackles run block better than they pass block. So, let's go. And maybe it's just a me thing, but, you know, I still find it somewhat fascinating that Lamar's been sacked 34 times this year. It's not Giants-level sackage, but still way more than maybe we anticipated. Bob, let me just say this. If that wasn't Lamar Jackson, he'd have over 50 sacks. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, NFL Lunch. Roquan Smith, we know him. We love him. Got paid. He's sticking around for a while. But he knows and loves Kyle Hamilton. Hey, just listen. Man, I got the utmost respect for Kyle. That guy's a warrior. Like, the way he came out there, everything he's been going through this season, man, and just the way he forgot about it all and just said, hey, I'm going to put it all on the line for us. And, like, when you think about that, that's like the ultimate teammate that you want uh, in the locker room, a guy that's willing to sacrifice himself for the betterment of the team. And I, I think Kyle, he knows, and his teammates know that there's a huge drop-off if he's not there. And that was a game that two number one teams. So it was a game that he needed to play, and and if he could, um, he would. And he played exceptionally well. I thought he tackled well. I thought he did everything. He didn't look like his knee was bothering him. And then finally, Roquan Smith talks about the bust-out player in this year's Ravens defense, Justin Matabike. Locker room when Harv just mentioned it, but, like, man, Beeks 
we kick it, man, all through the week. Uh, the way he worked throughout the week, uh, even out of the building, man. I'm just so proud of the guy. Guy just put his head down, don't really say a lot, but bust his tail day in and day out. Can't do anything but respect him, and I think the guy can do all. If you're running games with him, he's elite. If you just want him to rush the pass, he can do that run game. The guy can strike blockers, guards, whatever the case may be. Yeah, his he he's taking it. He definitely taking it to the next level. You know, with twelve sacks, um, but his technique is is so good, and it's it's all working, kind of fluid. You know, like sometimes we say guys look like mechanical. No, he looks extremely fluid and does things easily. Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Woman Crush Wednesday will come back. Vinny's film breakdown, Ravens' defense of the win against Jacksonville. What did they do to make life miserable for Trevor Lawrence, or did he make life miserable for himself? We'll talk about that. Eric Edholm, NFL.com, preview week 16 with him. And then a funhouse trip with Mr. Excitement, Nolan McGraw, here on The Fan. Breaking down every last second of game tape for Sunday's matchup. Who's your connection? You sound like a cop to me. Who's your connection? Enter Vinny's film room on 105.7 The Fan. Vinny Haney, 105.7 The Fan here on this Woman Crush Wednesday. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato, Ravens beat Jacksonville 23-7, 11th win of the year. They clinch a playoff spot with said win. Earlier in the show, we talked about them offensively, not, you know, one of their more stellar performances, but effective enough. But let's talk about how they did on the defensive side of the ball film study. Yeah, when, when you look at the defense, Bob, the first half, they didn't play well. I, I don't, I mean, two missed field goals and a dropped fumble in the red zone. And then, what, on the five-yard line, the clock runs out. So at worst case, worst case, four. 12 points, four field goals, and they had none. So, I mean, every drive they had a chance to score. So, you think the defense is good there? No. A lot of times they didn't set the edge. Defensive line, um, kind of typical. I mean, Michael Pierce, to me, what he's doing now is he's jumping sides. And when you jump aside, you give, you give the runner a way to go. And... The linebackers didn't have a lot of tackles, you know, because they get people up on them. And then when the second half, we'll talk about the second half, you know, what saved them in the second half. But I thought the corners, I, I thought the corners actually played good. The problem was he had a lot of time to throw. A lot of time to throw. There was no pressure, no pressure on him. And that's that's the concerning thing. That's what's getting kind of scary is, is um, you know, Oway flashed a couple times. But I thought Clowney played good in the run. I thought he played really good in the run. It kind of almost goes back to like JPP last year, you know, where he was showing a little pass rush early, but then at the end he was just playing uh, uh, the run. But, I mean, they need Clowney and they need Van Oy to play better. Harrison, I don't think, played that well setting the edge, you know, at times. I, I think Robinson, you know, they, they should play Robinson more in the Davious run stuff. There, yeah. yeah. Um the the Kyle Hamilton, you know, he he played he played well. And um the thing that saved them, Bob, in the second half was Ravens had the ball twenty one minutes. They had the ball ten minutes, second half. They ran if you take away the sixty five yard touchdown pass, they had Jacksonville had fifty yards the whole second half. So I mean that's what saved the defense the second half, and that's what's a little scary about going into San Francisco is you know, the defense isn't like dominating kicking ass type and they've got to be able to get 
find a way to get some pressure. And and you know what happened, Bob, in the in the last game when because Jacksonville had some some uh, success running early. After about three plays, Mike McDonald says, "Screw it." He started blitzing. You know, he brought what Kyle Hamilton to make that play in the backfield. Then he started blitzing the linebackers and run blitz situations too. He says, "I'm not just sitting here, you know, and going to take it. I'm going to go attack them and try to disrupt this stuff." And I, I just hope that they can hang in there, you know, with the Niners and be able to stop the run. Because if they can't stop the run, the Niners will run it all day. And to your point about the pass rush or lack thereof yeah. against Jacksonville, Ravens had four quarterback hits Sunday night all by one guy, Matabike. Yeah. And, and what's good is, Bob, is, you know, against the Niners, um, Matabike, their guards and center, he he's he's better than they are. So he'll have a chance against the Niners to be able to get some pressure. And, you know, with a guy like Purdy getting quick pressure up the middle with that West Coast offense, a rhythm passing game is the key. Now, they're secondary Baltimore's. Do we do we have an Arthur Millette problem in the final three weeks of the season? I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think he was all that bad. He wasn't as bad as he was the week before. Um, it's going to come down to, you know, are they going to have matchup problems, Bob, with the Niners? Because the Niners, you know, with because they've got Kittle who can catch it. They've got um, Ayuk who's a real good route runner, and then you got Samuel who's going to line up all over the field. So, and then you got McCaffrey who lines up wide. Matchups. This this is where finally you know it could kind of catch up to them because see it would be similar to Seattle. Well, they did okay against Seattle. Yeah, but Seattle's got that type of talent, and so do the Niners have that type of talent. But Seattle didn't have the running back. But we talked about it earlier in the week yesterday that uh, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, a lot of self-inflicted damage, oh maybe not Ravens-inflicted damage there. Uh, yeah, the missed field goals weren't – the only thing was they were long. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a plus yeah, there. Yeah, one doinked off the cross. And then there. the play right before the half, that was a mental error by yeah. Jacksonville. And then the fumble, I, I, don't, I don't know how. You just bumble, rumble, stumble. He dropped it. What? Nobody hit him. Just dropped it himself. So, yeah, that was uh, that was all screw-ups by Jacksonville, more so than big plays by the Ravens. What is uh, more advantageous? And we'll do San Francisco film study tomorrow, keys and everything on Friday. Baltimore's offense versus San Francisco's defense. San Francisco's offense versus Baltimore's defense. Who's got the bigger advantage? Niners offense, Ravens. The way the Ravens defense is playing right now. If it was like three weeks ago, Bob, the Ravens defense was playing fast, explosive. Mm -hmm. They were getting to the quarterback, all those things. But since the bye, it seems like, I don't know, just they're not playing the run as well. And they're not getting to the quarterback, and that's that's bad. <laughs> that's that's a bad sign again. They're gonna have to get some pressure on a quarterback, and they they've got to be able to set the edges on the run stuff. Otherwise, the Niners will run up and down the field. Yeah, what can change? I guess that's the question here. Was just for the Rams. That, you know that Van Oy and and Clowney have juice because I mean, it, like their legs are dead right now. Doesn't it look like that to you, Bob? I mean. It, it, there's no jump. In you, them. you were noticing them yes. kind of all it, it, cloudy early. To, yeah, yeah, but now it's now it's okay, and you don't want to say fatigue is setting in, but two older 
players who didn't have the benefit of training camp and yeah. all that. I mean, they were just kind of, I want to say they were off the street, but, you know, you talk about rookies hitting the wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Brandon Lee, as we flip real quick before we hit the break, bring in Eric Edholm, defensive back, long committed to South Carolina. He flipped. He signed with Maryland today. Four stars. So that's the third four-star that Mike Loxley brought in. We'll have Coach Loxley on tomorrow, as a matter of fact, here on The Fan. Eric at home coming up next, NFL.com. Then a funhouse trip, Nolan McGraw. Taking sports to a whole new level. 105.7 The Fan. Good evening, 105.7 The Fan. Woman Crush Wednesday. You pick the songs, favorite female artist or band. Nolan McGraw's over there waiting for you. Send your request, pause for text line. 410-583-1057. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. Week 16 NFL season starts tomorrow with a game worth watching on Thursday night as we talked about earlier. New Orleans at the Rams. Here to make sense of all of that from NFL.com, NFL Network. On the WGK Law guest hotline, let's welcome back to the show Eric Edholm. Eric, good afternoon. What's going on? Eric's quiet today. Yeah. Uh, we're speechless. Eric at home. I think I've got everything potted up the way I'm supposed to there. We're going to call him back here in a second. Signing day for you, Vinny. Not to digress too yeah. much before we get Eric back on. Used to mean what? Because I'm guessing it's got a whole new feel to it now. You know, for us, it was February. First Wednesday in right. February. So there was always a lot of... Uh, like, it was kind of done the day before, but the leading, like, the couple of days leading up to it, Bob, a lot of uh, tension, a lot of stress. Now you've got the financial issues. Yeah, that, yeah that's, well, when I was doing it, we did have financial issues, but some, not everybody did. Yeah, well, it was illegal back <laughs> right. in those days. All right, let's try this again, Nolan. I'll defer to you. Bring old Eric Ed home in. Eric, good afternoon. How you doing? All right, keep my fingers crossed. How are we doing? It's modern technology, Eric. You know yeah. how that can work out <laughs> for you. Appreciate the time as always. Couple sure. of th- a couple of things where we get to the big slate of games coming up this weekend, which carries through multiple days. The term chargering, well known. This year, I guess they took it to, you know, maybe the days of Tommy Prothrow back in the 70s. But for Brandon Staley, ultimately, what doomed him as the head coach who didn't make it three years yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, the the first two regular seasons, I think, held some promise, and uh, you know, yet they have to go on the road, and then after the the blow, or after the uh, going up big at Jacksonville last year, blowing that game in overtime, that was really, I think, that put him on watch this season. You know, that that game carried over and kind of, you know, hung like a black cloud over the franchise, but there were still expectations because part of chargering is feeling like this team is, you know, one year away from turning it around. I mean, they've always had talent, uh, not always, but I mean, in, in recent years, they've had talent. They have a franchise quarterback locked up in their possession, ready to go. They built up the offensive line. They had the receivers, they spent money on defense and they couldn't stop people. And they were having trouble finishing games off on offense. They had injuries everywhere. I mean, you know, uh, I think a lot of people say, oh, he was too aggressive and he missed out on these fourth downs. And the, I didn't mind any of that stuff. That wasn't the problem, in my opinion, with, with Brandon Staley. He was a defensive coach 
whose team struggled mightily defensively for the better part of three months. Um, and then they got, you know, humiliated on a national game. They weren't planning to fire him prior to that game. At least my understanding of it was that a decision was probably coming at the end of the year, but the Chargers hadn't made an in-season move in like 25 years and didn't plan to do it. But the optics of that game were like, all right. <laughs> in fact, we thought, I thought Tom Telesco would be safe too. That's, I think, how bad that that game looked after the season they've had. Now you talk about optics right now in Pittsburgh. Now they're not eliminated. There's still chance they can get to the postseason, but the George Pickens thing seems to be a weekly occurrence from Mike Tomlin. Uh, Look, right now their offense is making Matt Canada look like Don Coriel, the way that they perform. And granted, it's minus their starting quarterback, but uh, how surprised are you that it seems as though, at least from our perspective outside looking in, that Mike Tomlin may have lost some of the players on this team this year? Yeah, whether it's you know, Pickens or Deontay Johnson. I mean, there have been distractions. Uh, You mentioned, obviously, the limitations of the offense and, you know, another situation where, you know, Mike Tomlin's been kind of fiercely loyal to his guys over the years. And I don't think, you know, really wanted to make that move, but kind of felt compelled or backed into a corner based on how the offense had done and, and what happened. I mean, you know, they lose to at home to two, two and 10 teams. Arizona, New England, back-to-back games, four-day span, and all of a sudden the rug just pulled out from under them. I mean, they were winning games before, but hadn't had a, a positive point differential all season long. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good indicator of a team that is swimming upstream a little bit. So, you know, a lot of sort of big spreads in the losses, a lot of close wins, some lucky wins. Don't have to tell you guys that. You witnessed it firsthand. Correct. But- I mean, it's just, it was wild. I didn't know where to put them in the power rankings. How good is a seven and 14 that can't score, right? So things have even out in the last three games. And like you said, they don't win tomorrow. You know, you can, you can close the drapes on this season. I don't think Tomlin's getting fired despite all these, you know, internet rumors and whatnot. I think he has one year left on his deal and I would expect him to be uh, back, but you know, there's a lot of pressure and they may not have a winning season for the first time in his tenure this year. Eric, what do you think happens with Belichick? If if he does leave, which it sounds like he may be, where does he go? Does he still coach? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Don Shula's record, both in total victories, playoff and regular season, and in the regular season victories, requires some work, probably three more seasons. And, you know, I could see Bill kind of going into a job. And, of course, if he were hired somewhere, that, that owner would want to know, What's your succession plan? How long are you staying? All these things. And so it's got to be the right fit if New England is not an option. And it's like you said, it seems like that the wind's been blowing in that direction for weeks now. But, yeah, I guess I'd have a hard time seeing him just step away and be like, all right, that's it. I'm out. Because even with these rumors that have still been out there, like, I mean, you don't hear Bill Belichick rumors very often, very specific rumors but there have been two I think Chris Collinsworth was one and I can't remember who the other person was but you know two national football voices throwing out there hey don't rule out a media career and Mm. you know it's it's interesting to me like I can see him in the right role being terrific you know telling stories and breaking down tape and all that stuff I could see him also being you know a bad fit so the coaching thing to me is still his joy I think (laughs) 
I don't know if it's going to be in New England, and I don't know what team's a good fit for him. It's, it's probably the Chargers, the Commanders, or, you know, I mean, maybe a job that hasn't opened yet. Hey, Eric, you know what? A, a big game Sunday that I'm looking forward to, Jacksonville at Tampa. And how about Baker Mayfield, the way he's been playing? Yeah, I mean, it, and a lot of guts all season long from mm -hmm. him. You know, I mean, he's doing whatever he has to do to win games. They lost a ton of close ones midseason or the five out of six they lost. But here they are with a chance to take the division. Finally, you know, someone has kind of stepped up in that division. I know the Saints have won two, two, uh, two in a row as well. But, yeah, Baker's been great. And the Jaguars have been, you know, uh, a head scratcher. I mean, they've, you know, they, they cost themselves 13 points in the first half against the Ravens and at least, you know, and yep. – Lawrence has been playing through injury and not playing that great. And yeah, I mean, Tampa seems to have the momentum and Jacksonville doesn't. So, you know, that's, that's all of a sudden a fascinating game. Hey Eric, you know what a pretty cool stat is for the Niners Ravens is, is you've got the two teams now passing attempts. The Ravens are 31st in pass attempts offensively and the Niners are 32nd. Ravens are number one in rush attempts. Niners are sixth in rush attempt. So, I mean, you got two teams that want to run the football. Yeah. But what they also can do is generate explosive plays, whether it's mm -hmm. through the wrong pass. And, you know, that, that, that makes all right in the world, right? You can, you can be the team that overwhelms people in the fourth quarter like both of those teams can do, knowing that even if you have a three and out, you have the ability to, for that quick strike offense. And we saw it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the, the 49ers had a game against the Cardinals where I watched the game and kept thinking it hasn't been a clean game, but somehow they have 500 yards because yeah. if you can generate those 20 yard plus plays, I mean, that, that really changes everything, but you're right. For the football purists, this is a great matchup, a re-envisioned run game, different than what we saw a generation ago. You know, it's, multiplicity with the 49ers obviously the Mitchell injury hurts for Baltimore but they've been plugging people in and, and making it work and you know obviously give the Ravens a great chance to to make it a game out there yeah it's it's gonna be it'll be interesting and it'll be exciting you know what because I watched that Arizona film too Eric and then I watched a little bit of Seattle and stuff I think the real MVP for the Niners I mean if you stop McCaffrey You've kind of shut them down. Uh, Brock Purdy said it the other day, right? Yeah. They said, are you the MVP? He said, no, 23 is. <laughs> and, like, I kept thinking after a couple of injury-plagued seasons in Carolina, how are they going to, you know, and, and the usage that they introduced to him last season, how are they going to keep this up? But they are. They're somehow, he's been able to stay in games, whether it's a short week, whether he had 30 touches the week before or – you know, 20, because he gets mm -hmm. it all the time. He's been productive. He's been healthy or, you know, staying in the games for that matter. Um, it doesn't hurt that there's also Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, but right. he, I think you're right, is the what makes them go. I'd be fascinated to see, you know, if he were to miss a game, what they'd look like, because I still think they'd be good, but you'd be taking a lot of the teeth out of that, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of that beast. Eric at home, <clears throat> NFL.com joining us, Biddy and Haney, one Oh five, seven, the fan, Eric, last thing for you, how good, fascinating, exciting, whatever you want to say is the story of Joe Flacco and those fighting Cleveland Browns right now. 
I, I wrote last week, I said, if, if, if there is a God in this world, we have to have a, a Ravens-Flacco playoff oh, matchup. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I mean, and it's amazing to me how Browns fans, now Browns fans will will embrace anyone who helps them out. But they've, they've rallied around Joe immediately. Like, they've gravitated to this guy. And, you know, obviously like Ravens fans did after a certain point. But last week was a little tough. Three picks. You know, he wasn't as sharp as he'd been. But they have a defense that can bail him out. And I don't think Joe's, you know, Joe throws three picks one game and goes out there and just starts slinging it again. I mean, that's what I love about him. He doesn't change his approach. And he's just – he's normally a very smart quarterback. And, and he's brought that and the downfield ball to Cleveland. It's exactly what they needed. It's a, it's a strange situation, but I'm going to watch this thing till the till the wheels fall off. Uh, it's a great story unless Cleveland beats the Ravens here in Baltimore. Then it becomes a bigger story for sure. Eric at home, NFL.com. Eric, always appreciate your time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and the family. Yeah. Talk to you in 2024. Same to you and all of your uh, listeners, and uh, hope you guys uh, have a great uh, Christmas Day uh, win, I guess. Yeah, we Thanks, got Eric. it, man. Thank you, Eric at home, everybody. Oh, yeah, Fl- I want Flacco in Baltimore big time in the playoffs. Oh, but if Cleveland wins, all right. how how hot do you think the audience will be running Woo! that day? Vinny and Haney, two opposites attracted by a paycheck. 105.7 The Fan. All right, get your Ben Mason jerseys out of mothballs. Ravens signed him to the practice squad. Jake Funk, former Terp, was signed yesterday. As Melvin Gordon III was signed to the active roster, unfortunately, Keaton Mitchell placed on IR. So a couple of roster tidbits for you, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, Mason will be a good practice squad guy. He'll help him get better, you know, because he practices hard. Apparently, Zay Flowers hurt his foot on Sunday. He did. That's what Jeff's Reback tweeting came out of Sunday's win with some foot soreness. Team is optimistic he won't miss any time. Jesus. But they're back at practice today, so we'll know at least on a Wednesday whether or not he'll be participating in the fun. I'm guessing, Bob, because they got the extra day, he doesn't practice today. And if you missed the news, caller brought it up earlier. Justin Houston was released by the Carolina Panthers. Hasn't played, what, almost two months for them. Yeah. He didn't do anything for him. Right. I mean, he look, he was a good Raven, did did the best he could given the circumstances, but father time is pretty much caught up to him. Same with JPP as well. Uh, yeah, JPP. He's I, I saw it on Hard Knocks when he signed. Yeah, and then he was gone a week later, so he must have looked bad. It's video Haiti one oh five seven. The fan we're back tomorrow, Total Quest Thursday. Mike Loxley's gonna be joining us, Maryland head coach, talking about signing day, which is still in progress. Also preview the military bowl coming up December thirtieth against Auburn. Vinny's film breakdown of the 49ers is coming up. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about all of the sports related news that takes place over the next twenty hours or so. Inside access coming up next. Quick draw, you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. Quick draws. Funhouse. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. Sponsored by the Smile Design Center. Changing the way you feel about dentistry one smile at a time. For information or to schedule an appointment for care, give them a call today. 443-348-8812. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan.
Bob, you've been asking people all day, Super Bowl preview, yes or no? Yes Ravens or no question. Versus 49ers. Well, we have some answers here. Yeah. Uh, starting with Chris, who says, I don't think it's hyperbole or being lazy to say that this is a Super Bowl preview. Since these two teams, since their last losses, they've been the best two teams in the league. It's highly likely they meet again for the big game. Huh. I, I can kind of see that, that somebody will get really hot and then there'll be an upset along the way. Well, everybody's peeing their pants about Buffalo right now. Yeah. And rightfully so. They've got a track. I mean, they were in the championship game a couple years ago. They made the playoffs. But, you know, if Baltimore is taking on San Francisco in the Super Bowl, I think the networks will probably love it. And a lot I don't of think, star power. I don't think anyone will be stunned at all. This texter here says, I don't think it's a Super Bowl preview. The Niners are rolling, but it seems to me like they can be beat by a team like the Rams come the playoffs. That'd be quite the upset. Uh, Texter goes on to say, do you think the Ravens get away from their nickel packages? Looked uh, more a 5-4 defense with safeties moving up, keen on the run. Well, The biggest thing that they got a key on is, is not to miss tackles and set the edge. That's going to be the key. They got to tackle well. You got to tackle well. Just out of curiosity, why would the Rams be more formidable than the Ravens than San Francisco? It's a hot take for the texture there. Okay. Where she elaborated. I'm just, yeah, exactly. Rams Maybe need one to of make the reasons because they play them, they'll, they'll play them third time, and their scores are usually fairly close between those two. Well, I did say a team like the Rams, so I guess upset in general. Uh, Mike here checking in says, what do you guys think about Josh Allen potentially finishing the season strong? Could he sneak into the MVP combo? Nah. What, six hot weeks? He's he's had, you know, his inconsistent play kind of cost them a bunch of games in the middle of the season. I, I would think that Lamar or Purdy, they would have to go to crap over the last three weeks. I mean, and what if Mahomes closes strong? You know what I mean? No. Uh, is Jalen Hurts, is, is that ship sailed? Well, yeah, I, th- I think Jalen Hurts. Tyreek Hill, let's not forget, people keep talking about him, too. Right, because if he goes over 2,000, he'll be in the conversation, which I'm guessing he probably will. Here's an interesting one from Mike in Hagerstown. says, would it be possible for the Ravens to take Kyle Hamilton have him shadow Christian McCaffrey all day, or would that expose too many other areas uh, of the defense? I don't think that's a good matchup for uh, Kyle Hamilton. I think because McCaffrey is too quick and too sudden, and um, you know, as much as we like the length in uh, Kyle Hamilton, I don't think he'd be able to cover him. Need a smaller, quicker guy. Maybe better used uh, trying to shut down uh, Kittle at tight end. Agreed. Hamilton. Yes. Uh, This one here from Chris says, uh, talking about coaches that should be fired. Uh, He says he's surprised to hear Tomlin's name on the list. Uh, After hearing what's coming out of Pittsburgh, though, sort of sounds like a Brian Billick situation in 07, losing the team, the Lombardi trophy on the resume, not enough to save him anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but Tomlin seems like a great dude and all, but it just seems like uh, there's – there's some there's some problems going on in Pittsburgh right now. A lot now. of chirping. Yeah. Big time. And one last one here. Short and sweet. Texter says offensive line is what's ultimately going to doom this Ravens team 
in the playoffs. No, it's the offensive tackles, not the offensive line. The offensive tackles. Spitty and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. That's going to do it for us. Inside Access coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock for Total Request Thursday. For Nolan McGraw, Vinny Serrato, I'm Bob Haney. Stay safe, stay healthy. Enjoy the rest of your Woman Crush Wednesday. For now, everybody, class dismissed.